This is Dennis Ramundi. I'm here with my co-host, Phil Goldberg, author of American Veda, expert on all things that relate to contemporary <laughs> spirituality. Uh, and uh, our guest today, Elizabeth Dabney Hockman. She is the founding editor and executive director of Kid Spirit, a nonprofit magazine and online community by and for youth around the world to explore life's big questions. Uh, Elizabeth is a graduate of Princeton University, now living with her family in Brooklyn, New York. Elizabeth, thank you so very much for taking the time to come on with us today. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. Elizabeth, um, we're intrigued by uh, the notion of a magazine that uh, uh, illuminates the world of spirituality for young people. Uh, tell us how you came to this. Tell us a little bit about your own spiritual background and how you came to create Kid Spirit. Well, my own spiritual background, I'll, I'll take that second, because I think that, that, of course, informs our backgrounds, informs everything we come to do in any particular moment. But um, at the you know, we're now celebrating our 10th year of publishing Kid Spirit. So when my older daughter was around 11, and I started to sort of notice the media environment in the way that one does at, with parents at a certain, of children at a certain age, I could really see that our society, in our society, the media reflects the values that we're passing on to our kids, right? And that there seemed to be uh, a glaring a void in media for kids that was substantive, that was non-commercial, that was alternative, and that allowed for a deeper conversation. There simply wasn't anything around for kids uh, in the sort of um, 11 to 13, 11 to 15 age range that allowed for an open conversation from kids of all backgrounds and traditions in any way. It just wasn't happening. Um, there's, there are a few really interesting media outlets, but they do other things. And so I thought, considering that baby boomer parents and, and, and all adults really in our culture have many options and many ways that we can explore uh, things that matter to us, why wasn't there something for youth that was comparable? And I thought, if we're going to, you know, if we want our kids to develop into global citizens who are aware of the values and spirit that kind of underlie uh, our lives, they really need a vehicle to do that. And I know at the same time I was aware that a lot of baby boomer parents were uncomfortable with the topic of spirituality and religion, and in many ways that was a no-no because it's often been the provenance of you know, uh, a particular religious community or secular humanist values in which that was not really discussed. I thought, wouldn't it be great if there were a way for kids to engage deep questions in an actually inclusive environment, totally unaffiliated from uh, other constraints, so that if kids wanted to delve into deep topics, whether they uh, had the trappings of religion or not, they would have an open way of doing that. So Kids Here was kind of born of like the experience of being a parent, looking at the media culture around us, seeing that it really wasn't sort of doing what it could be doing um, to empower kids to kind of enjoy and revel in their own development, their own spiritual process, basically. <clears throat> uh, Very good. Elizabeth, I, I've been going through your uh, website, Kids Spirit Online. Uh, it's one, mm -hmm. wonderfully put together. And one of the things you have here, which uh, is publish your work. And uh, kids, uh, mm -hmm. they go, go to this website, uh, accepts uh, Kids Spirit, accepts submissions of poetry, artwork, nonfiction. It's very simply mm -hmm. laid out. Uh, even I could follow the instructions. And uh, for 11 to 17-year-olds, and they can uh, uh, submit poetry, uh, uh, I, I guess prose uh, any, of any type and, and uh, uh, even artwork 
<clears throat> do you get many kids submitting? And um, generally, is it their parents or teachers or uh, religious teachers that are encouraging them to go to this site and do this? Or do kids uh, generally find it on their own? And just give me your general experience with uh, who you attract and how they react to, uh, say, uh, publish your work, which you have as part of your website. Absolutely. I think what's so interesting to me about Kid Spirit is the youth-generated uh, kind of quality of it. In other words, one of the things that I noticed very early on um, and that has been borne out by various kinds of research about youth is that they're very rarely today invited to have a conversation amongst themselves about substances, substantive stuff. It just doesn't right. come up. Um, right. It's, if it's in school, it's academic. And if it's, and, and it's not generally integrated into life and kids are usually not encouraged or invited to do that. So when they are, oftentimes they're astounded by the possibility that maybe they could take some proactive interest in their own in their own process of what's what's important to them and of course how ironic given that the fact that they're you know they're developmentally exploding right as teenagers right. so it's actually fascinating we get we get submissions from kids all the time uh, yesterday I got an absolutely beautiful piece of artwork from a girl who lives in Australia um, if they come in because of the web and this is kind of a magical and unintended consequence of starting kids spirit um, was having the web really enrich our possibilities dramatically. So kids are so media savvy. They find us all the time. Of course, we do have relationships with mentors and schools that send us kids and their work from time to time. But by and large, the most excited kids and the ones who stay with Kids Spirit for five or six years sometimes and start their own editorial boards in different parts of the world are kids who discover this on their own online somehow through some magic. Either it's a they want to get published, maybe they're an aspiring writer, or they understand, look around and realize that this is a, a magazine and community that has a different mission than most magazines, and they're, maybe they're young philosophers, or they're just introverts, or they're looking for an outlet because they live in a small community. So they're kids who find us for all kinds of reasons, and for that, uh, because of that kind of magic of the internet, we've been able to publish kids from 19 different countries uh, over the years, which is kind of remarkable, even though they are, in fact, all writing in English, which is kind of phenomenal. Mm -hmm. um, uh, but a lot of those kids also who can send us artwork, they can send us artwork whether or not they write in English, of course. So uh, we've been able to have a very broad conversation and includes many, many different backgrounds and traditions because of the web. And we do find the kids really do take a proactive interest in doing this themselves, which is what makes it so special. Elizabeth, tell us um, the age range <coughs> that you aim for. Um, sure. And also, um, what about the issue of editing and curating the content? Who That's does a great that? Question. Yeah. <laughs> um, so that's a great question. So 11 to 17 is our age range. And originally we were 11 to 15. That was uh, kind of what we were aiming for was that in-between age of middle school and early high school. But then what happened was that invariably kids would come up to us and say, do we really have to stop doing this just because we happen to turn 16? <laughs> and mm. then it continued to happen with 17, and then we had to cut it off with the end of high school. So it's really a huge developmental swath, right, 6th grade to 12th grade. Um, which is also quite unusual. It works beautifully, actually. There's a kind of mutual mentoring that goes on um, with those uh, that those different age groups, and it's pretty pretty fascinating, especially because it's cross cultural. Um, but in terms of the process, 
we have editors, a network of about 60 editors around the world. So we have editorial board groups in, uh, in Lahore, Pakistan, in Mumbai, in Ghana, in New Zealand, uh, around this country, and so on. So we have many different groups now. Those groups are self-sustaining, and they, they create content, some of them. Some of them receive content from their peers in their countries, and then they edit their work on their own. Once their work is ready to be sent to the main ed board, the home base, as it were, they send it to New York City where our ed board here, which is about 16 kids ages 12 to 17, get together once a month, and all they do is edit for about two hours. Wow. Um, they eat cookies wow. and, and other stuff, but they basically <laughs> sit with pen in hand, <laughs> and everybody edits quietly. There's a lot of quiet time. They edit in real time face-to-face, and then the edits are compiled by our staff. So we have staff who are at those meetings who sort of guide and, like, listen to what the kids all agree upon. And so the staff are adults? The staff are adults, yes. Mm-hmm. So, so the staff are adults. The staff listen to the comments from the kids. The kids write over all their papers. They redline everything. And then we send back the comments upon which the kids agree, right? Because you always have outliers. If you mm-hmm. have 14 kids editing something, oh they're going to be a certain percentage of I have enough trouble with one. Actually, what it is is it it becomes a process, right? It's not just getting published. It's about the process of hearing from kids in Pakistan, in you know rural America, in other parts of this country, um, and so on, and having them actually learn about each other, even about their sort of deepest identity questions, their deepest questions of where they want to be as they grow. And so it becomes much more than just publishing their material. It's about a conversation that happens between kids in different places, and then ultimately publishing their work after usually three rounds of edits on each piece, which is why the quality is so good. Let me follow up, Dennis. Um, The final decision about whether to publish something or not, Mm -hmm. who has that and Uh what, give, give us an example of something you had to say no to. Sure. That's a great question. We try and publish everything we can. We, we're not a turn-down kind of organization because we're process-oriented, because what we really want is for kids to um, take part in this and to get to know each other. Any kid who sincerely submits something, we will publish. And there have been times when we've had to work with a kid for five sessions with the Ed Board, you know, half a year before a piece could get published, simply because that child was in a place where nobody worked with them on their writing or they were writing in a foreign language or their piece was very complicated and they needed a lot of feedback. So we've done that and we're happy to do that. On the other hand, there are times when we occasionally get someone who just submits fiction and we don't publish fiction. So Mm. we'll say, sorry, (laughs) take a look at our guidelines. Um, Or someone will submit something that is, you know, we get sometimes angsty love poetry from teenagers, right? We don't publish all the angsty love poetry we get because, you know, we can't. (laughs) So there are times when we sort of say, okay, let's pick amongst these poems and choose the ones that really fit best into the themes that the kids themselves, right, our editors, our network of editors, have chosen the themes that we're going to cover. So, So we do make choices sometimes among poetry, and from time to time, we do have kids who write stuff. On two or three occasions, we've had a kid who had written about something like feeling suicidal. Mm. If something like that happens, right. we sort of drop everything, we get in touch with the, uh, the parent or, or caregiver of the child, and we are very sensitive about handling something like that, which is mm-hmm. very, very rare. But it has <laughs> happened a couple of times, and then we've sort of talked and tried to figure out, is there a way that we can keep, the, keep true to the spirit of what this child is writing without 
potentially setting off a cascade of events, putting something on the internet irresponsibly. Right. So that's the only time that we've said mm-hmm. no. We basically we're we're basically a say yes organization. Mm-hmm. If kids are sincere about trying to do something with the process that we that we have, we will absolutely publish it. Right, Elizabeth. Uh, I have a 14 year old niece. She lives in Europe. Is fluent in mm-hmm. English, and I think this is something <laughs> she would be interested in. How would you recommend? Fabulous. How would you recommend I? introduce her to this. I call her up, I say, uh, Hannah, you know, I have this uh, interview, I did this interview, this is something I think you'd be interested in. Where do I go from there? How would you present it? Okay. Well, first of all, she, you might want to just send her the link to the website okay. and give her... A, it, there's a lot of content on the website, right? right? So a lot of people don't right. realize when they flip around how much is there. We've, we've covered 40 themes. So there are 40 issues that Kids Fear It has done in 10 years, which is a heck of a lot of content. And we put it up there along with free resources for teachers and adults who run groups, whether they're after-school or community-centered groups. <clears throat> So there's a lot of stuff up there. But for kids, it depends on whether or not she's primarily someone who would like to get, if she thinks she'd like to get published, um, then she, you, well, know, you might show her that module. However, if you think she's interested in having conversations, real conversations with kids right. about big questions and she's that kind of kid, um, you should reach out to us and, and we'll, 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 we'll talk to her and see if she's interested in now, joining now when you say that, to, yeah, I, I think yeah. uh, the latter. I, I think both, but... Mm-hmm. Certainly, uh, she'd like to have those discussions. And uh, uh, so when you say, if I contact you and you contact her uh, and you reach mm-hmm. out to her, what, what do you mm-hmm. then do? Well, we'll see. You know, if she's a child who has the time to, you know, to come to once-a-month meetings, there are various ways that kids can get involved. Sometimes you mean once-a-month meetings online? Online once-a-month meetings? No, we meet face-to-face. No, we no meet, she, so she's, in what, Euro- she's in Europe, though. Oh, she's in Europe. Okay. So if she's in Europe, what she could probably do, we'd have to find out, and this is true of any kid in this position, Mm -hmm. if she knows a few friends or uh, who would like to do something with her. If we've got four kids who want to start an ed board, we can walk them through the process and support that. We have scaled our kind of model so that kids in different places can start their own editorial board. And we know how to, like, instruct kids in how to do that and how to get some sort of adult to help them with the logistics meaning emailing us back and forth so that we can be in touch about deadlines and who can write what for which issue, that kind of thing. So happy to be in touch with her if she maybe she has a teacher or a parent or somebody else who's a mentor in her life that could assist. Um, but, but basically, she, if she can gather a couple of friends, she could start but, but a group. Let me, Another let me just thing, say, follow mm-hmm. up here. Let's say it's just, sure. it's, it's, it, that's fairly complex as I'm hearing it. If I just want to say, hey, go to this website, I think you're going to find it sure. interesting. Mm-hmm. It's an online community, and you can maybe discuss things in regard to spirituality, sure. life's big questions online. Uh, I, I don't yep. think I'd present it to her, hey, you can put together an editorial board, and you have to get it. I think that would be way too, uh, uh, too big involved. a task. To, to, is there a simple way to introduce her to this? She can just go and read it. Uh-huh. Okay. All that stuff is on everything that we publish. We publish it in a pretty mm-hmm. um, reflective way. So there's no there's no advertising on Kids Spirit at all. If she goes and she scrolls down the menu of themes that we've gone right. that we've done over the years, which is vast, she can pick out a topic that interests her. Whether right. she's interested in the heroic spirit or money or gender or psyche or whatever. Uh, climate change, you name it, there is an issue for almost anything that kids are interested in. She could click on the issue and sort of get a sense, a feel for it. And, uh, and then she can reach out to us via email and say, hey, I'd like to get involved. Let me know how I can do that. Great. Uh, Elizabeth, um, 
is that interactive, after an issue is published, um, are there comment sections? Uh, do people follow yes. up online with that sort of thing? And uh, in that context, has uh, have you ever published anything uh, that was particularly controversial or, you know, that... Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I would say, so a couple of things. In terms of what happens once things are published, um, we do have comments and we do receive emails from people. Sometimes, you know, sometimes we hear from writers or, or people that we've done reviews of who will get in touch with kids and say, I can't believe you reviewed my book. Or, you know, sometimes we'll hear from people in that way through media. Um, another thing I should mention apropos of the question of your niece is that we do have online, uh, like Zoom, poetry workshops and workshops that we do with kids in different time zones. So another way that kids who are individuals who aren't in a group can can get involved is if they want to participate in that way, in a, you know, working on poetry or writing with a bunch of kids um, uh, in a workshop environment online. We do that as well. Um, but in terms of uh, controversy, yes. I mean, we when kids wanted to, to do an issue on gender and one of our uh, very fine writers wrote a piece on why she wears a hijab, that was definitely a piece that we we knew was um, pushing the envelope and that uh, we thought it was an important um, concept to take on. And we were amazed and delighted that there was a girl in Queens who wanted to write about this. And she did a huge amount of research talking to her friends and fam and women that she knew and people in her life um, and then wrote a big piece on it. So that was a piece that was controversial, but I think, you know, mind expanding. And we mm -hmm. did not get pushback on that. Um, but we, you know, I thought that perhaps our issue on money or human dignity would be um, – would be edgy, and I think they have been. Um, kids take on tough topics for sure. Uh, generally, the comments that we that we get from kids are respectful. Occasionally, you get disrespectful comments from adults online. If that happens, we just don't publish them. You know, like if if right. if some if some adult finds something that they find offensive in kid spirit, we usually and they put a comment and we see the comment and it doesn't seem like it should be read by other kids, then we don't publish the comment. Mm. Yeah. Because we have to be, right. we have to also be safeguarding the the psyches of the kids around the world who are part of our conversation and trying to keep the open space that we've created so that it really can contain anything that's respectful, anything that's you know that's positive and respectful um, comes from a place of trying to create you know build bridges and so on. If we're if we're doing that and a, an adult is sort of standing in the way of that, generally kids don't, but occasionally adults do. Then we simply we don't publish it. Uh, do you, you mentioned before that there are groups or schools or maybe religious groups that you work with. Do you reach out to like Sunday schools, to Hebrew schools, to, to different uh, groups that work with children already and say, hey, this might be something you'd be interested in incorporating into your uh, weekly uh, meetings with the kids? Definitely. We have, I mean, particularly with regular schools, um, uh, less so with parochial schools, sometimes with people who are uh, religious leaders. We have, like, for example, 
over the years, we've been very happy to publish pieces from kids in, in, in unusual traditions. Sometimes kids like that find us, like right now we're working with a kid who is uh, Russian Orthodox and who lives in this country, and he's writing a piece about that for our interfaith connection section. He happened to find us, but in other instances, we've gone to uh, faith communities like the Baha'i faith, for example, and said, do you have a, a child who might like to write about their experience uh, of being a Baha'i kid because it's educational mm. uh, for for other kids mm-hmm. to read about that. So we definitely have that kind of thing. Generally, um, uh, pieces come from kids themselves, but we do, of course, have relationships with people in different um, sectors, uh, both religious and non, and certainly have relationships with teachers at schools, both public school and private school, which is great. Right. Interesting. And obviously, um, it's an inclusive orientation and mm-hmm. um, what we might call interfaith or interspiritual um, mm-hmm. And I'm sure, um, uh, well, let me ask you, it, have you had, and I'm, I'm sure the answer is yes, um, feedback from kids around the world where mm-hmm. they've been illuminated about something uh, where they had um, misconceptions or had been improperly uh, taught about, say, other people's religions or what other cultures are like? Do you get that a lot? Yeah, I mean, I think that's a huge kind of service in a way. It's it's not the not the primary thing we're doing because, of course, we're starting with the individual, the the kids themselves, and trying to give them a place for exploration. But it is amazing the extent to which we have kids who say the most important thing about about this experience to me was like being able to collaborate across boundaries and cultures with kids <laughs> in different places and learn about them from their own voice. So. Um, you know, what we're, when kids are talking about their faith traditions, they're not speaking from the point of view of doctrine or teachings necessarily. They're really writing about what it is to be, to be living in this environment with these values and how it is that those values matter to them and transform them, uh, you know, in their journey as they grow up. Okay. So we definitely hear from kids. For example, we've done various kids across religious traditions and across boundaries. Most recently, we did a piece for Human Dignity with one writer who was in India and one writer in Pakistan who decided for human dignity to write about and to explore together online what it's like to be living in hostile countries. And, mm. and, and they took this on for a period of about three or four months talking online, and they got a lot of pushback, not from the kids in their lives, but from the parents and their sure. parents and relatives. Mm-hmm. So we definitely, in doing stuff like this, there are uh, relationships are built and um, you know, a, a clearer understanding of what's happening between people it ha- inevitably happens, which is very exciting, actually. Mm-hmm. Uh, Elizabeth, there's a lot of people these days, adults, and I would imagine children also, that they consider themselves... Uh, spiritual but not religious. You hear that all the time, mm-hmm. and and sure. they they really their parents don't want them to have any affiliation with any particular religion. They don't. Do you mm-hmm. get kids like that? Uh, that or do you get sure. kids that are ad- agnostic or even atheist that uh, participate in in uh, uh, in your programs? Absolutely. In fact, I think they're they're definitely agnostic and atheist kids. We for we have a section by the way of the magazine called Interfaith Connections, which we started because there was such interest from kids who were from various religious backgrounds. We wanted to give them a direct space to write about 
meaning in that context and have it not affect the other aspects of the magazine that were really have an unaffiliated context. So kids who really want to talk about faith tend to be drawn to that department in, in particular, but there have been kids who've written for Interfaith Connections who are explicitly atheist and agnostic and from mixed backgrounds, mm-hmm. and kids who are secular. So we've had kids from, you know, from all across the sort of spiritual but not religious and just simply not religious map who have written for that department, um, which we welcome. And I think that's a, an important conversation to be having, not just interfaith, but also, you know, in terms of kind of orthodoxy, a belief and non-belief, and sort of, you know, narrowing that per- that perception of a gap there is really important for kids, too, to know that, okay, I can learn from a kid who has a very, very different home life and different beliefs and still feel kind of common humanity uh, underlying that. And they do instinctively, it seems to me, have that. But so much of what we're doing is focusing on questions, right? Kids Spirit, you know, the central part of our magazine is called The Big Question. So when kids choose a theme, they first our editors get together and choose what is the big question for this theme that we want our, that we want to explore and then one child writes an exploratory piece about the big question and then we have so this is a very elicitive process right it is open and even the departments that include the idea you know uh, kids who want to write about faith or wisdom traditions or spirituality, um, you know, leave space for kids who don't want to do that. Um, and I think that's what's so crucial about being unaffiliated, right, is that we can, we're really welcoming the, the whole garbanzo bean, the whole conversation mm-hmm. is part of what we're doing, but we're not trying to exclude anyone who doesn't feel comfortable with that language. So, it, you know, it's, uh, it's a tall order, to keep, uh, you know, to keep the space that open, but it's very, very valuable, I think, um, for uh, particularly in our times, for kids to have that exposure. Um, consi- it's also when you think of the interconnectivity of the web right now, for kids to be able to have that conversation is very precious and unusual because so much of what they're seeing on the web is the opposite, right? It's divisive, and it's not building mutual appreciation across difference. Um, Elizabeth, um, kid spirit is free online. Yes. Mm-hmm. You have a staff. Mm-hmm. It takes time to do these things. Um, mm-hmm. Where does your funding come from? Our funding usually comes from individuals. So kids, people who are interested in youth development, people care about spiritual development in youth, youth advocacy. We have a lot of families that we've worked with over the years who are loyal donors. We also have received foundation support from another, a number of foundations who are interested in one of the sectors, you know, what we do crosses between uh, a number of things, both academic involvement, collaboration, life skills, empathy. You know, there are a number of uh, kind of things that we do that really build uh, kids in important ways. And so we do get foundation support as well. It's probably three quarters, one quarter, something like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if into the future, in the next five years, as you go forward, uh, if you do expand, how would you expand? I would say what we're really interested in doing is trying to continue the the geographic diversity mm-hmm. um, and support that, sustain that in this country and around the world. Because what happens is we often have kids who are, say, in eighth or ninth grade, and they're living in Texas. And then when they graduate and go to college, that editorial board that they founded will disappear unless it's nurtured by someone else, which sometimes happens, sometimes doesn't. So what we would like to be able to do in time is to have, you know, four 
parts of the country that are geographically sustainable, you know, that we have staff that can really mm-hmm. nurture the kids in those parts of the country so that we can make sure that our conversation is balanced between different backgrounds and traditions so we can make sure that it's as rich as it can be and sustain that. So we have a lot of places where Kids Spirit has groups, and we would like to make sure that we have, for example, a, a South American presence, which we don't now. Right. Um, Or to be able to start an ed board in, you know, the Netherlands and keep that going. Um, So things like that will really uh, balance the conversation between, you know, sacred, if you want to use sacred and secular, that dichotomy. If you want to talk about spiritual but not religious or, you know, entirely secular humanist and religious. Or if we want to talk simply about different ways of living, whether kids are going to, you know, living in rural places or in urban places. Interesting. Um, two questions about um, the uh, age range of the uh, people. 11 and 17 is only six years, but it's vast totally. <laughs> at that age. And, and, you know, 11-year-olds are very different from 16 and 17-year-olds. Sure. So how do you make sure um, you have uh, content that an 11 and 12 year old would uh, not find too intimidating and the 16 and 17 year olds um, don't find too childish and and a related question is when people are accustomed to reading kid spirit and being involved in kid spirit and then they graduate high school and they become 18 19 do you continue to hear from right. them? yes awesome questions um so for the, in terms of ages, it's, yeah, it's such a good question. When we were uh, beginning to work with kids in the sort of 11 and then older ages, 16 and 17, we also wondered how that would work. It turns out that it's pretty fabulous. We, we work with a lot of siblings, it turns out, it, you know, because older siblings bring on their younger siblings, which is kind of great. But I would say what's really interesting is that you would expect if you were 16 or 17 years old that if you're listening to someone who's 11 that you're not going to be interested and that they're not going to be able to add to the conversation because you're oh so much more mature and evolved than the the 11-year-old. But what actually is mysteriously true is that the older kids get a great deal of unexpected respect for the younger kids when they work with them because so often kids who are a little bit younger are less defended and they're more open and actually they go straight to the heart of things Mm -hmm. without the sort of adolescent stuff that happens along the way that makes kids feel more uncomfortable or more self-conscious about what it is they say. So there is a kind of magic uh, for older kids of working with younger kids that I think we miss out in generally as a society. We're not aware of that kind of great dynamic. There's an obvious sense in which, you know, 12-year-olds want to sit in a room with a 16- or 17-year-old, and they think it's awesome. But there is a beneficial, um, in, in my mind, a, a great benefit to putting them together and seeing the energy and, dy- you know, the dynamism that comes from that and the added respect. So in terms of the reader, like if you're reading the magazine, we usually encourage younger kids to write poetry, younger kids to do artwork, for example, and to do shorter pieces. Shorter pieces meaning pieces under a thousand words. So usually you're going to see, and there are certainly counterexamples, but generally you're going to see that our feature articles and our awesome moments articles, which are longer, are written by high school students. That doesn't mean, and in terms of content, um, usually our older kids kind of have an inherent understanding that if they're writing for kids younger than themselves, they're going to show kind of a sort of respect for that. So it 
generally works out just fine. It's kind mm. of amazing. And I didn't mm-hmm. necessarily, you know, assume that it would be, but it's been great. As far as alumni, kids who have worked with us, we are, you know, we've been launching an alumni advisory program just just this year on the, in the advent of, of becoming a decade old. We figured that was a great idea because we do hear from kids we've worked with seven, eight, ten years ago who miss kid spirit, who loved being involved with it, for whom, you know, that experience might have been transformative in their adolescence. Um, just getting, having a, a truer sense of their own identity and worth and ability to collaborate, you know, with other kids in, in different places. In other words, I feel like they're coming back to us and saying, we've developed skills and appreciation doing this that we haven't since then in other, many other parts of our lives. So it's been, it's been great to, to, and in fact, we have this big party coming up and, you know, celebrating 10 years and we're bringing, you know, the alums together. Kids are traveling from all over the country and abroad who graduated from our program and they're, you know, they're young grown-ups and they're coming basically to connect with their younger partners, which is really great. Fabulous. Uh, yeah, Elizabeth, thank you so very much for taking the time to come on. And I, I have one last question, and I feel I want to see what you think of this. Uh, you know, uh, our show covers all areas of contemporary spirituality. Uh, I don't yes. think we've ever had a kid on, uh, Phil. No. So if uh, you have somebody that you might recommend that's either a sure. finished your program or in the midst of it or both or whatever, uh, mm-hmm. we would love to, by Skype or phone, uh, interview them. Uh, and, sure. and, uh, and talk to them about their experience and about just all things spiritual and getting a kid's perspective. I think that would be uh, fascinating. I think I, our listeners would love it. Good. I, I love that idea. I would be happy to, to connect you with, with a kid or two. That would be amazing for that and would enjoy it mightily. And I really appreciate your having me on. It's been super fun. Great. And you're having your 10-year celebration. We're recording this on November 1st. 2017 it'll be uh, up on the web uh, within the week and um, you're having a 10-year celebration you're also publishing uh, a collection it looks like an anthology yes. called 10 years of kid spirit mm-hmm. uh, a 300 plus page book uh, that will be available when and online or yes uh, that book we're launching on November 9th which is the date of our 10th anniversary celebration and so it will be available online for purchase and it is a compendium of 10 years of work from kids all around the world and I should mention one of our departments which focuses on spiritual elders the one place in our in kid spirit where adults are invited to write is for a section called perspectives so in perspectives, we invite a spiritual elder or a, an author or someone who is really an expert in the particular theme that the kids have chosen to add their voice. So, hmm. for example, when we did an issue on money, Lynn Twist, mm-hmm. uh, who wrote The Soul of Money, came and wrote our perspective. So See? over the years, we've had a fantastic group of, of elders who have – that sort of adds an intergenerational yeah. component to what we do. She, she was a guest yeah. of ours, Lynn Twist. We interviewed her a few That's months right. ago. I know. Uh, she's awesome. Yeah, she's and uh, what we'll do is we'll make sure all this information is on our podcast. So those listening in, they can go there and, and read that as well. And uh, so fantastic. And stay on after we're off the air and – We'll discuss about uh, doing some follow-up on getting uh, a young person on the show. So thank Sounds you great. so very okay. much for taking the time to come on. Thank, thank you. you and, so and listeners, go to uh, kidspiritonline.com. Kidspiritonline.com. It's a very well laid out uh, uh, website. So uh, I, we recommend you go. Thanks again.
Thank you All so much. Thank you. Bye.